Hello everyone and welcome to Sit and Sip. <laughs> I'm Carmen White. I got Sophie here from Sit and Sip and I have two lovely ladies with me. I have Mr. Keela Sherman and Misa Miller who are both SOPs in California. Can you please tell me a little bit about yourself ladies? Sure, I'll start. I'm Jaquila Sherman. I've been an SLP for 13 years now. Um, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and I graduated from Bowling Green State University and received my master's degree from Kent State University. Oh, I've worked in a variety of fields, um, working as a traveling therapist. I've worked in both healthcare, outpatient facilities, um, and Currently, I work in the school settings with um, students grades K through six. Oh, okay. And you're not gonna talk about your crazy ones, little tiny. No, 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 no. <laughs> I've got plenty of them, older and younger. <laughs> hey, you, Miss Miller. Tell Good us about you. Good evening, everyone. My name is Misa Miller, born and raised in Macon, Georgia. Um, I've been a spe speech language pathologist since 2015. I also am a travel speech language pathologist, so um, I have a very wide variety of experience as well. Um, I've worked in various demographic areas uh, from Florida with a majority of a Hispanic population all the way up to Boston, Massachusetts, which is completely different <laughs> <laughs> and completely cold. So. Um, yeah, really wide variety of uh, populations. I specialize in pediatric therapy, specifically um, speech and articulation, as well as language. And I have dabbled my toe in feeding as well, which is my first true love. <laughs> Actually, how I got introduced to the speech world. That's awesome. Thank you, ladies. And everyone, you know what I do. And you should, hopefully, if you listen to episode one, you know who I am. <laughs> if not, I am a travel therapist as well, and I travel around just like these lovely ladies, and I'm in a variety of settings right now, mainly junior high school. Today's topic over a nice glass of rosé. Yes, <laughs> Hello, yes. Over a nice glass of rosé, we are going to talk about speech versus language. And uh, how... So very often, it is misinterpreted. <laughs> not in a bad way. Teachers, please do not get offended by today's podcast. We are not here to offend you. We are here to inform you. That's we are great. your friend, right? <laughs> Information. Yeah. That's what we're here to talk about. So, um, ladies, what does speech mean to you? So for me, um, when a student is referred for a speech consult, uh, the first thing I think of is articulation or sound production. Are they having difficulty producing sounds in certain positions? Um, however, I've noticed working in a variety of settings that teachers refer students for speech um, when there is actually a problem with the understanding of language or vocabulary um, or social language skills. When I worked in Florida, actually, that was the first place where they actually um, separated speech and language. I like that they, about Florida as yeah, well. They made it clear, you know, if it was a speech concern, mm -hmm. they were diagnosed as speech um, impairment, and if it was a language concern, it was a language impairment. Right. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciated that, but no other place that I've worked 
has made that designation? I feel like in the East Coast, mainly you would see them making that differentiation. Like, okay, this child has a speech disorder. This child has a language disorder, fluency disorder. I don't know if you guys, have you seen that as well? Um, Actually, Florida was the first yeah. and probably the only one, Um, well, in D.C., in PG County. Yeah, I was trying to remember. I also worked in PG County, but I can't remember if they um, separated it out like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Maryland... Charles County, they they separated, but speech um, and language, yeah, and fluency. Mm-hmm. But before then, any of my other areas, unless it was like a hospital medical base, yeah, yeah, um, they specified. But most school positions don't. They fall under one bubble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe in New York. They, I think they made a clear description of what the child has. Okay. In, in New York, but um, Florida's where it was like clear, like here right. is what the child has. I think in New York, I'm trying to remember it, so I know I'm not that old guy. <laughs> I know, because of the nature of our job, we, we see yeah, so many different things, exactly. we move so much, mm-hmm. that they all start to blend together. They do, and they now that I think about it, most of my assignments on the East Coast were actually hospital, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had the opportunity yeah. to see the difference. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. The few... Um, in Georgia, I've been in three different cities in, in Georgia, and I think they're all just clumped in together. Yeah, yeah, speech. And with speech, do you agree with Jaquila Misa? Like, is is that what you feel speech is? is oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, um, going through school, uh, that's your one of the first classes that you take is articulation. So mm-hmm. you, you think of the speech, that's the first thing you go into uh, for communication mm-hmm. and versus people who don't have that knowledge or background, mm-hmm. they think speech, speech is talking. That's the connection to the language part. Mm-hmm. That's what makes them think speech is speaking language expressive versus speech motor components, motor disorders. They're not thinking about the actual musculature that Absolutely. goes into exactly. it is actually the expressive language and then they think oh you're a speech language pathologist what do you do with feeding what do you so yeah everyone has this misconception or preconceived notion about what the speech teacher does, does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like to tell everyone think of me from the brain to the family, yeah. right? Yeah, right? I that same analogy. So, so they know that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Anything in these areas, I, I got can it. help you with. I can right. help you. Right. And I try to make that clear. Especially um, in the schools, but I noticed that especially in the medical setting, mm-hmm. because so many people are focused on physical and occupational right. therapy, mm-hmm. because those are larger muscle groups and you know, you think about walking, okay, you need physical therapy, you have to put on a shirt, mm-hmm. um, that's occupational therapy, but we forget about the little muscles here mm-hmm. in our neck, you know, and in our mouth that, you know, um, help us to communicate. So, exactly. Right. You know, we have to work on those. And yeah. swallow properly. Exactly. Right. And, and that's what I, I wanted to say too. I think, <laughs> I think in the hospital setting, you, you get more, you know, from the brain almost, you know, down to the GI stuff because yes. we work really closely with dietitians mm-hmm. and GI doctors. So that we have this wide spectrum of all the muscles and, mm-hmm. you know, origins and functions of everything that comes in between there and 
people have no idea. You just play games. That's exactly. right. That's <laughs> you just it. play games with kids, and then you come out of your office like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing in that little room? Right. Yeah, your closet. <laughs> That's right. So, with that being said, what do you feel language in your in your own words, can you tell me how you feel language can be described to our fellow educators out there, healthcare professionals? How can we better explain language? Um, I think for the textbook explanation, <laughs> <laughs> you break it down into your three main groups. It's the social, like you were saying, mm-hmm. the social pragmatic language, your expressive language, and your receptive language. And the three of these combined make up functional communication. Right. And though that is your basis for language. Mm-hmm. And that's the that thin line that people use the word speech and language interchangeably. Mm-hmm. And they get it gets lost in translation. Um, that's kind of my idea to put it simply of what language is. It falls under these this umbrella language and then you have these multiple categories that, you know, make up the overall term. Yes. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. How how does one understand language? Mm-hmm. Are they able to use language, both verbal and nonverbal? Um, are they are they able to understand social or pragmatic language? Right. Um, so those are our students, you know, with autism who have problems right. with um, relating to other kids socially. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are skills that we need throughout our lives. So, you know, I think it's really great that we target those skills and help people to to master those skills. I actually had a student yesterday. He's been receiving speech since he was in kinder and he's wow. in fourth grade now and he's He's made so much progress. We worked really, really hard on social language skills. Um, he has autism, and he's mastered all of his goals mm-hmm. and all of his academic goals. And so we were able to dismiss him yesterday. Congratulations! Yeah. And his parents were really, really excited. His mm-hmm. mom asked the question. She said, "So, since he mastered his goals, does he not have autism anymore?" Aww. And you know. That's when we have to educate her. Yes, he exactly. has autism, mm-hmm. but autism is not like a, it's a medical that. diagnosis. Right, so and someone found her along the way yeah. to explain and ed- educate mm-hmm. her on what this means, this yeah. diagnosis. It is not just, you know... The end of the world. Right, it's mm-hmm. not the end of the world, and there is no magic pill that makes it go away. Makes it go away, but we learn just like with every other thing in life. We learn to cope, and thankfully he's high functioning, mm-hmm. um, and he's gonna be just fine. He's right. learned. Is he gonna be quirky? Yes. That's, That's just right. who he is. We mm-hmm. all have our our stuff, and he's learned to manage within the classroom. And I'm really proud of him. I was really happy, you know, with that meeting. Right. And, um, as a godmother of a child with autism, I see all the time she has no issues. As far as academic wise, but socially, that's the piece that is missing for her. And that's what she focuses on mainly in speech. Mm -hmm. And her mother at first did not understand why was that the main focal point. But now that she has that better understanding, she sees how important it is for her to socialize and be out in the group setting and Mm -hmm. meeting other children and learning to communicate. And she's become a better communicator because of that, because of how informed her mother is right information yeah i think it's um the biggest piece of that the social language is 
typically developing and people out there, I'm using air quotes, <laughs> <laughs> typically developing peers are um, kind of born with this inept ability to adapt mm -hmm. to certain situations. And us as humans, it, it, that's what we do. We rise to whatever occasion we adapt to make, you know, we conform to whatever the situation is. And children with autism, they, they miss that that piece. Mm -hmm. And then the most difficult part of it is with language, no matter what kind of disability you have that falls under language disorders, all of this is happening happening simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, okay, receptive language is happening now and then expressive language is happening, you know, five minutes later and then, <laughs> you know, social is happening, you know, 10 minutes later, all of this is happening all at one time. And you think like, I, I look at it as a, a internet browser yeah. with like 500 pages mm -hmm. open. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh my God, like I'm having all of these thoughts going on, they're firing in my brain, but a person with a language disability disorder, they, they're not processing it yes. as fast. And I just imagine how overwhelming that could be. it can be, yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. And then in class, you know, the kids result in behaviors. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh my God, this child is awful. No, she's screaming for help. Exactly. <laughs> she's, exactly. she's screaming for help. She needs, you know, that intervention. She needs someone to just take the time out to recognize, you know, is my vision versus, you know, I'm just being bad, mm -hmm. quote unquote, mm -hmm. bad. Or, you know, I had a kid with low blood sugar. He would drop his head every time social social studies came. Oh, it's because he hates social studies. No, mm -hmm. it's because it's two o'clock in the afternoon. His blood sugar is low. Mm -hmm. He's tired. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do, you know, with his behavior. And I think teachers, all of us as diagnosticians have to recognize the signs and behaviors um, that present themselves in our children before we make that initial assumption. Right. And we all mm -hmm. are, you know, guilty of doing that mm -hmm. with biases or whatever you think it is. It is just something that comes along with the job. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And I definitely like that analogy that you used with mm -hmm. the, the internet, the internet browser. I think I'm going to use that. I'm yeah. going to steal that from you <laughs> and use that when explaining it to parents or other educators who made it. I like that analogy and I'm stealing yeah. that one. <laughs> for you out there, Me that's a good trademark. Boom. Boom. <laughs> you better trademark that thing. Put it on a nice little poster right. <laughs> for other people to see and read. Mm -hmm. um, there's a speech therapist out there, Miss Speechy P. Mm -hmm. um, what sparked my interest in this topic was um, something she put up um, about speech or language. Mm -hmm. And she said, speech is how we use our voice to communicate our thoughts. Mm -hmm. It consists of articulation, like you ladies said, the ability to produce specific sounds, such as saying wabbit for rabbit. Mm -hmm. Voice, the quality of the sound we produce and consists of pitch loudness and resonance fluency also known as stuttering and refers to the smoothness and rhythm of speech i like that mm -hmm. clear and concise or language language consists of socially shared rules grammar semantics etc syntax we can go on and on right <laughs> for how we use words to communicate our thoughts like you ladies said earlier receptive what one can understand, this can include following directions and pointing to pictures, 
expressive, how we use and combine words to share thoughts, ideas, and communicate wants and needs, and pragmatics, like we just, you know, divulged and we went into deeply the social use of language consistent of knowing what to say, how to say it, and when to say mm-hmm. it. And if everyone had this little excerpt from Miss Peachy P, mm-hmm. I think it would help a lot, especially during meetings. And I'm going to put this up um, up for the listeners so they can have this image if they need to. And it's not mine. It's Miss Peachy P, and she will be <laughs> quoted under here. It's not mine. Um, but if anyone needs it, print it, keep it, hang it up in your room. So that way, when you're reaching out to your speech therapist, you can look and say, hmm, what am I referring this child for? Is right. it speech or is it language? Right. It's a nice resource. Yeah. I should copy that as well. Yeah, no, I'm not sure. I, I, in, in the realm of metaphors, <laughs> it just made me think like, it makes me think of this onion. Mm-hmm. And this onion, the entire onion is speech. Mm-hmm. And at the core of the onion is communication. Mm-hmm. That is your, that's your basis for all of this. And speech is like your umbrella term. And everything that she described, this PGP, described is, is perfect. There are like these layers that yeah. you peel off. And under one layer, there's a section of sub-layers that also like form content use. Those mm-hmm. are all also layers, just mm-hmm. like I explained the language umbrella. Mm-hmm. Again, different layers. There's all these layers that fall under speech. And I think the problem, where the problem comes in, is our peers, our you know interpersonal team members, they see speech as just this one thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's where the disconnect comes in. So I really like that, and I think I'm going to use that too. Definitely. Exactly, because we are not an umbrella without Stokes. We have yes. Stokes. <laughs> and I think that's the great thing about doing this podcast and just, um, you know, advocating for ourselves mm-hmm. as a profession and educating our peers, you know, mm-hmm. our teachers and um even nurses in the medical yes. setting, you know, mm-hmm. um, letting them know exactly what it is that we do, um, why we do it, and so they see the importance of of our jobs. Which mm-hmm. in the schools, I mean, in both settings, I've not really ran into anyone that didn't think we were very important. Mm-hmm. However, sometimes sometimes we can be pushed aside. I I get a lot of people who feel. They can do our jobs. Yes. And, and I have That's it. I have great stories and I feel this That's is what? a great great <laughs> time to segue into some storytelling because I had um an interesting woman that I worked with in Florida. An um, interesting woman. <laughs> interesting, interesting to yes, to say the least. She <laughs> she felt that she was a speech therapist. Um, <laughs> She um, oftentimes told me she went to school for speech. Um, she did not. She did not. Go to <laughs> she did not. speech therapy. She is an educator. Um, and she loved to tell us, tell me specifically what I need to do with my preschoolers and what was speech and what was not language and language this and language that and um, basically like trying to tell me how to do my mm-hmm. job. Or if I went to observe a child telling me that my observations were incorrect because she should be a speech therapist. Wow. 
And that's why she's paid how she's paid because oh, yeah. she knows <laughs> exactly what she's doing. And, and it's like, you know, he, so she was paid her salary annually. You're in my oh. mm-hmm. um, because oftentimes her children's behaviors were the issue. Mm-hmm. And I cannot provide therapy for behaviors. That's for an ABA therapist. Mm-hmm. But if the behaviors stem from lack of ability to communicate effectively, mm-hmm. That's where I'm, that's why I'm here. Mm -hmm. But if he's just displaying some, you know, maladaptive behaviors that stem from psychological issues or um, hunger, Mm -hmm. um, there's so many different underlying factors that may play into why this child's behavior. But unfortunately, through my observations, I think, well, he or she needs speech and I'm going to make sure she gets speech. Okay. Well, you know what? Can you please tell me which one? Because I don't see speech and I don't see language. Well, I don't know what you're talking about, language. It's speech. Oh, wow. And she never understood the difference. No matter how many times I explained what language was Mm -hmm. and speech was, she would tell me that it was speech. Have you ladies ever had a co-worker that felt as if, you know, I... As if they could do your job. Exactly. You. Is that exactly. Is that a Google search with your data? <laughs> exactly. exactly. I, I mean, I've had many times in IEP meetings mm-hmm. where you definitely have to provide education to someone. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Strongly provide education to someone just to let them know. Because, of course, IEP meetings are team discussions. Mm-hmm. And the team comes to a consensus, but there are some professions um, that feel like they have the last word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you it took me a while, but you really have to learn how to be firm in those meetings mm-hmm. and, and really um, have your data and be able to back your data mm-hmm. up, you know, to provide rationale for why you feel a certain way. And advocate for these children. And yes. advocate for these children. Lots of times, um, you know, students will be referred and they'll have, you know, lower IQs. Mm-hmm. Um, academic scores are very low. Mm-hmm. So we know that their language scores are going to be low. Yeah, mm-hmm. I say that all the time. It mm-hmm. masks itself as, as a speech as a speech or something that's yeah. different and it's, not. and it's not. And what they say speech and technically is more than like language, language affected mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. the low Secondary cognitive mm-hmm. ability. Exactly. Right? Yep. Because so, so many of the language assessments um, and you have to have some type of cognitive ability mm-hmm. you have. Right. in mm-hmm. order to por- perform our assessments your language memory has mm-hmm. to be intact you know um and even with the um english language learner assessments um mm-hmm. that we have here mm-hmm. don't get me started <laughs> um, Please don't. that's a, actually ladies that is another episode um which i will be inviting yeah. you ladies yeah, back yeah. for okay so that's why she's definitely gonna have to be um, yes. a guest <laughs> on that on that here. show yeah, so we'll we'll save that topic But yeah, so I've had that many times where in meetings and even in the medical setting, um, working with nursing staff, um, especially with um, diet recommendations. You know, I know we're talking about the the educational system here, but when you're working in the nursing home or in the hospital and you're recommending one diet, and the nursing staff feels that they should be either put on honey thick liquids right. or 
but you you know that if you um, train them to sit up right, if you do mm-hmm. oral care, um, that they can handle a thinner liquid without getting aspiration mm-hmm. pneumonia. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. but um, if the staff doesn't respect you as mm-hmm. a professional, right. they will give you so much pushback, and mm-hmm. sometimes it can take a little while to build that um, rapport. that rapport. Mm-hmm. And not just, I mean, nursing staff, nursing assistants, mm-hmm. <laughs> because they feel like they're with the patient much more, more than you are. Mm-hmm. So, I think as um, professionals, we have to find that balance um, in the school, in the hospital, whatever setting we're in, where we can walk the line of. Yes, we are the professional. We know what we're doing, but we want to build a rapport with people so that they'll respect what we say. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell my story. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was working in the district, and um, I had a, <clears throat> a transfer student come in, and we were having a meeting. And we completed uh, testing, evaluations, everything. And the psychologist uh, expressed, well, mom, let me preface this. Child had autism. Mm-hmm. Mom said he would fixate on certain things, one being Elvis. Elvis was his everything, but socially, you know, he was very egocentric and it was on focus on what he wanted to be about. So when the psychologist heard Elvis, she said, oh yeah, well, here, here's what you can do. If you want him to look at you since he's not making eye contact with you, just put a picture of Elvis on your forehead and he'll look at you. <laughs> and that's a perfect communication, um, social communication. Uh, oh, man. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting here. Jaquila is shaking her head, everyone. She is shaking her head. She's so oh, confused. <laughs> walk around with the Elvis. Look at Elvis. Imagine walking around making your kids like a weirdo. Not only are you singling him out even more, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you are going to feed into this fixation. fixation. Mm -hmm. And everybody, all the other team members are like sinking into their seat. Oh my God. God. Because what do you do? You're a team member. You're not going to say, listen, honey, that's my job. Don't tell my parents. Oh, and then she said, um, Children with autism do not have the ability to be social. Whoa. Oh, ma'am. Whoa. Ma'am. Whoa. ma'am. Totally inappropriate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor. So, mm-hmm. at this point, this is when it's so important to have team members that back you up, mm-hmm. building the rapport, mm-hmm. and supporting you because it was at that point that the um compliance specialist she looked at me and she saw the fumes mm-hmm. <laughs> not because i outwardly showed them but she knows me mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we had that relationship she stepped in and she said well i think that this sounds like an area because at this time i was the autism specialist for this county and mm-hmm. i was building the program she said i think this sounds like an area that is specific to what Ms. Miller works on. Mm-hmm. That was so awesome. It was beautiful, beautifully put. It didn't step on her toes. It didn't mm-hmm. say like she don't know what she's right. talking about. <laughs> Which, so listen to her. Macy's probably were like, ah. right, yes, right, <laughs> me, I know. Yes, yes. So she just, you know, politely switched it over, mm-hmm. and then I took over. <laughs> Ironically, for speech, I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I took over, I explained, you know, 
while he does like Elvis, that mm-hmm. is quite nice. We don't want to necessarily focus too much on that. You know, it's mm-hmm. okay to talk about those things mm-hmm. and share our likes and dislikes with others. But, you know, and then just turn into this education to the parent, to our psychologist, mm-hmm. because she needed that education too, um, and to the team at, overall. I mean, that's really what it's about. Um, I was in a class recently, and the professor asked, what do you think you feel your role is on an inter, you know, uh, interdisciplinary team, team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that is it that's exactly it. you're you wear many hats you you know you're the counselor you're the educator yes. you're the diagnostician you're you know the interventionist you're all of those things and it is up to us ultimately to spread this word and inform and educate our our team members yeah. i agree well exactly. said exactly i uh appreciate that story, that story made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate both stories, but that one cracked me up real good. And I hate to cut these ladies' shorts. Uh, short, shorts, short. You guys get it. <laughs> but we are almost up for today. And I really appreciate you guys coming in and having some rosé with me. Oh, cheers, ladies. Cheers. And some cheese. And we had a nice little charcuterie thing. Mm-hmm. Ooh, look fancy charcuterie. Yeah. <laughs> and I really enjoyed um, talking with you guys. But I would really like if you all could tune in next week where I want to discuss. Just because the child speaks Spanish doesn't mean they should be assessed in Spanish. Mm. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> so I'm hoping you... around the world. I love it. I hope you guys enjoyed um, this evening's conversation, and I hope you will be tuning in next week. Have a great evening sitting and sipping with SLPs.